brothers and sisters, my name is Pastor Mark. I think I know many of you, but some of you uh, I may not know. Um, as Marco said, Pastor Mike is on vacation, so you're, you're kind of stuck with me this morning. Um, but it is my pleasure to be here and, and to uh, talk to you a little bit more about love, this most excellent way that Paul describes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's kind of the sermon series that we've been in here at St. John's for the last few weeks, right? We've been talking about love based on 1 Corinthians 13. Recently, you talked a little bit about what love is, and today I have the distinct pleasure of talking about what love is not. It's sort of an odd thing for a pastor to talk about, but Scripture says it, so we do it. Next week, we'll talk about what love does, and after that, we'll talk about how love grows. But I think to give this passage from 1 Corinthians uh, a little bit of context, to help us understand how it speaks to us here at St. John's, I want to back up a little bit and do a little bit of quick review. 1 Corinthians is a letter from Paul, and Paul was one of the first uh, missionaries, in fact, the first Christian missionary, amazing church leader, and he would go from place to place and plant churches and get to know people, and then as he would move on, he would always write letters back to those places to his friends. And so 1 Corinthians is just one of those letters to his friends in Corinth. And his letters have a couple of things in common, and one of the things that his letters have in common is he's always reminding his friends back in these other places that by faith in Jesus Christ, they are now considered to be saints. And that's a, a weird word sometimes, but it simply means a holy one, a perfect one in God's eyes. And Paul always wants them to remember that in a world filled with all kinds of craziness. He wants them to be grounded in that. And I want you to know that too. He isn't just calling those people in Corinth saints, and we don't just talk about St. John as a saint. We're all saints too by virtue of our faith. God sees us as righteous, perfect, holy people, his children. So, in another thing that Paul has in common in, in, his, in all of his letters is that he's writing to a group of people who are, are fairly new Christians, and they're trying to adjust their worldview, their way of thinking about things and their way of doing things. He's trying to help them adjust to a Christian worldview, knowing that they have come out of a habit and a life of a different worldview, a pagan worldview. And I don't use that word pagan as something that's judgmental. It's, it's simply a descriptive term for the sort of differences that we find in the world, the way people think and do things compared to the way people think and do things in the Christian world. And Paul knew that his friends in Corinth and everywhere would always sort of be wrestling with that because, well, the, the worldview has its pull over people. And so Paul was always trying to teach them uh, into, into this new worldview. And it doesn't really matter if it's back in Corinth or here. We kind of have the same, same situation, right? The same difficulties. It doesn't matter if we're brand new believers or lifelong believers, that worldview is always sort of pulling on us, and it's always all around us, just as it was in Corinth. And that's the setting for really all of Paul's letters. It's the setting for 1 Corinthians, and it's our setting too here in Orange, California, right? 
So I think Paul's letter to the Corinthians can be helpful to us with that understanding. But before we dig into chapter 13, I want to back up just a little bit into chapter 12. You see, chapter 13 is called the love chapter, but Paul doesn't just talk about love out of the blue as some sort of random topic. He actually talks about love and he kind of brings himself into it through another topic. In chapter 12, Paul is talking to his, his friends in Corinth about spiritual gifts. And without going into a whole new sermon series and a whole new sermon on, on spiritual gifts, Paul is basically making this point in chapter 12. He says the Spirit gives different gifts to different people in the church. Some of the gifts, it seems, are more important than others, but that's okay because they're all gifts, and they're all gifts from the same Spirit. So Paul encourages us and his friends to be thankful, not envious for the different gifts that have been given to different people, but thankful that God is blessing the community in this way. And Paul also encourages people to, to look at the spiritual gifts that they've been given with humility and to use them with joy in the service of others. That's how the Spirit is working in his church. But knowing that people would, would wrestle a little bit with this concept, knowing that, well, sometimes we look at things and they're more important and we sort of tend to want to... Uh, to say, well, I have that, not that, or I, he has that, and, and, and go through all that. Knowing that people would struggle with that idea about spiritual gifts, Paul sort of ends his discussion of spiritual gifts with this expression, I'm going to show you the most excellent way, he says, the way of understanding spiritual gifts, understanding your life in general in the church, and love. Love is that most excellent way that Paul is talking about. And love, we learn from Paul, is not a spiritual gift in the sense that it's not given to some people and not to others. Love instead is a fruit of the Spirit that all Christians bear. So all of us bear fruit. All of us have this fruit of love. And that's one of the reasons why Paul says it's the more excellent way, because we all have it. And we can all use it as we apply our spiritual gifts and as we interact with others. So that's why chapter 13 is the love chapter. That chapter in the Bible is pretty well known even outside of the church, I think because it's so often used in weddings and maybe because it's so often uh, portrayed on television shows. I'm not sure, but it's a very familiar passage in our society. And as I thought about how our society kind of understands love in its own worldview, I kept thinking about popular love songs that I've heard. Now, I'm a little old for a contemporary service, so some of these references are going to be kind of old, but I think you'll get them. Uh, you all know who Paul McCartney is. Everybody knows Paul. Paul McCartney once sang these words. He sang, I want to fill the world with silly love songs. What's wrong with that? And speaking of silly love songs, Dean Martin, Dean, Dean, sang, Dean sang this one time, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore, that's love, he says. I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> but I say this, if the moon hits your eye, you say, ow, my eye, at the very least. And another singer, this, do you love me? I can mash potato, I can do the twist, do you love me? Again, what does that mean? 
people talk about love, Beyonce has an entire album called Dangerous in Love, and it has an, a, a song on it that she says, that she calls crazy in love. Tina Turner said this, and it, it's kind of sad. What's love got to do with it, she said. That's just a, a second-hand emotion. Ah, that's one of society's attitudes about love. But Nat King Cole, some of you may know Nat, Nat King Cole acknowledged at least that love is more than just a game for two. And Nat King Cole also said this, which just always gets me thinking. The greatest thing in one of the songs Nat King Cole said, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. As profound as that is, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the greatest thing I think you'll ever learn is that you're loved by God. And yeah, that you can love in return. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Um, again, I'm not being judgmental here about the, our society's attitudes on love. I'm, I'm kind of an old school fan. I, I, somewhere in my garage, I think I have a Beyonce CD. Um, and I do like the silly love songs that Paul McCartney talked about. I'm not sure I'm proud of that, but that's just who I am. But I, I think if you compiled all of the love songs and all of the ideas that our society has about love, you might come up with some pretty good stuff. But of course, you're not going to come up with anything as profound and as deep as what we read about in 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, there, Paul is talking about another level of love. He's talking not just about amore. He's talking about that, that sacrificial love that, that makes us give everything we have for other people. And so there, Paul tells us about love, and he tells us that love is patient and love is kind. And those two things are fairly straightforward. But if, if, as if to add more to that, Paul then tells us about what love is not. And that list is a little bit longer. Paul says, love is not arrogant, love is not rude, it's not irritable, it's not resentful, it's not boastful, it's not self-serving. Those two things, those are also pretty easy to understand. We, we know what they are, but I think the gospel reading that we had this morning that was so beautifully read in two parts, I think that's going to teach us a little bit more about what love can be. You see, most Christians are used to calling that parable the parable of the Good Samaritan. In fact, if I had asked you what's the name of that parable, you probably could have told me that. It's the Good Samaritan. But Jesus, when he first tells that story, he kind of flips the society worldview on its ear a little bit because, you see, he makes the Samaritan to be the hero. And among the Jewish leaders of the day and even the common Jewish people, a Samaritan can't possibly be a hero. You see, most good Jewish people, if they had to travel from north to south or from south to north, they would have had to go through Samaria, but they wouldn't even do that. They would go out of their way in a two-day journey so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. They just thought that little of the Samaritan people that they didn't even want to walk through there. So they couldn't utter the phrase good and Samaritan in the same sentence. In fact, if you look at the Jewish leader's response to Jesus' parable and to Jesus' question, he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. Jesus asked, so who after all of this is the neighbor? And the Samaritan 
having to concede that Jesus made a good point, the Samaritan said, the one who showed mercy. He couldn't say the word Samaritan. I'm not exaggerating about that. That's just how people felt about Samaritans of the day. So this is, I think, part of what Jesus is saying about love. You see, in contrast, if we look at Jesus' ministry, he didn't walk around Samaria. He walked through Samaria on a number of occasions. And in John's gospel, we see that Jesus actually stopped and talked to a Samaritan a Samaritan woman at that. This flipped the Jewish worldview on its ear. Talk about differing worldviews. So ultimately, Jesus' answer to this question, who is my neighbor, is this. Our neighbors are people who we meet on our journey, people who are in need of selfless compassion, people who are in need of mercy, people who are in need of our love people who need to know the love of Jesus, too. So the point is this. Our neighbors might be someone outside of John's, St. John's community, or our neighbors might be someone right here in St. John's community. It doesn't matter. In any event, to love our neighbor, to love even our neighbor who doesn't deserve it, to love even our neighbor who doesn't like us, to love even our neighbor who irritates us, to love our neighbor that way is to be a good neighbor. And to be a good neighbor is to love the way Paul was talking about in Corinthians. That's still the more excellent way to get rid of boastfulness, to get rid of self-servingness, to get rid of envy, to get rid of irritableness, is to love. We know that those things, boasting and pride and envy, we know that those are just the end of love and, and the, really the love has no place for them. And if we compare ourselves to the Jewish leaders that we read about in our gospel reading, well, we look pretty good compared to them, right? I doubt if any of us are as resentful toward anyone as the Jewish people were toward Samaritans. At least I certainly hope not. But maybe we do find ourselves sometimes being irritable, irritated, and tending toward envy and, and self-servingness. That's just kind of how we're wired, unfortunately, as sinful people. But when we start to feel ourselves pulled in those directions, 1 Corinthians 13 is always going to call us away from that. So I want to encourage us to keep the word in front of our eyes and to remind ourselves about just what love is and, yes, what love is not. We might also, though, be tempted to compare ourselves to Jesus and how he taught that parable and how he steers us also away from a, a selfish kind of love. But if we only compare ourselves to Jesus, well, we're going to come up short all the time, and it's going to be depressing. Jesus was, after all, love incarnate, love in the flesh, walking around. We would do well to, to let his example teach us and to guide us as we learn to love. But Jesus is much more than just a good example of love. He is much more than just a good teacher. 
In fact, if you look through the Gospels, every time someone refers to Jesus as a teacher, and that's primarily how they see him, they usually find themselves at odds with Jesus because Jesus is more than just a teacher. He didn't just show us love so that we can kind of grasp for it and hopefully maybe get it someday. Yeah, but there's more to it than that. He, he gave us love. When he died on the cross and rose again, he actually gave us that perfect love. He blesses us with that kind of love. There's another of Paul's letters to the Colossians, and Paul writes this. Once, he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy as saints in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You see, Jesus' love did not merely set an example for us, and it did not seek to serve himself. His love was not arrogant and not rude, although certainly it could have been. While we were enemies, it sure could have been. But his love instead compelled him to selfishly serve you, to selfishly serve me. So we no longer need to take care of ourselves first. We can kind of put that aside. The Jewish person in the, in the gospel reading this morning was trying to justify himself, to self-justify. We don't need to be self-justified. We are Christ-justified. We are Christ's righteousness. We are the love of Christ. Also in the flesh, We no longer need to take care of ourselves. We can serve our neighbor with that same love. That's what the Bible passage is guiding us toward today, service of neighbor. I've seen that here at St. John's in my time here. I've seen how the community of St. John's loves our neighbors in a very selfless manner. We've, just last week, we, we finished up a teen leadership camp with foster teens here in the area. Um, that's a group of people that could very easily feel unloved, but we just poured out love on them, and we continue to, to ask people to be mentors, to, to guide, and to work with those foster teens here in the community. There are so many ways we, serve, we, we demonstrate our love here. Next Saturday, or the fourth Saturday of the month, we're going to go through our food distribution program again, just sharing love, working hard to make sure our neighbors in the community know their love. So we, we can do that. That's all good stuff. We can do more of it. I encourage you, if you're not involved in some of those things, to jump in and, and, and get involved with us. And remember this as you go your way today. Remember this. The greatest thing that you'll ever learn is indeed that you're loved by God through Christ And then you can, yes, selflessly love your neighbor in return, whoever your neighbor is. In the name of Jesus, amen.